Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Uh, well done. Well, welcome to week one of Epic Stories. And you know, you have a story, and I have a story, and the challenge is to make that story epic. So over the next four weeks, we're going to take a little time, and we're going to talk about the power of stories, the impact they can have. And as I say that, you may say, well, I don't really have a story. Uh, I don't have a story that's worth telling. Uh, I don't know what I'll do with that. Well, today we're going to study a woman who would have had that same thought, right? My story isn't that significant. I'm not that important. I don't really have a story to share. But nothing could be farther from the truth because when your story leads people to his story, it becomes an epic story. And that's where we're heading. But before we jump in, I want to take just a moment to uh, say thank you on behalf of Tammy and I. What a wonderful blessing to, this summer to be able to get a little sabbatical time away. So thank you for the gift of that. It was a, just a wonderful time, of a refreshing and a great time to be able to do that. Uh, like many of you, we had to get away from home and all of that to disconnect. So uh, we got on the bike and uh, did 39 days uh, out to California and all of that, which was an, an amazing time. Had a chance to connect with some pastors from different parts of the country, connect with some old friends and meet some new friends as we go. And, you know, a couple things stick out to me uh, with conversations we had. You know, number one was being reminded, it doesn't matter where you are in the country, this last season has been hard. And there's been discouragement and hurt <laughs> And frustration and a sense of disconnect. It's been a constant theme that we heard throughout. Uh, and in that created tension and frustration and even some anger at different times that would come up in different ways. And we noticed that this, especially in conversations when you were dealing with some delicate topics. I don't know about you, but our friend base is, is relatively diverse. Uh, we've got every spectrum of political views and social views on different things. Some of our friends are red, some of them are blue, a bunch of them were just California crazy. And, uh, you know, so, and it would happen in all of our conversations. You know, eventually it would turn towards, you know the topics, right? It would turn towards politics, it would turn towards COVID or uh, world affairs. And uh, I found an interesting thing. When those moments would happen and we'd get into those tension parts, I found myself just pulling back a little bit getting a little bit silent, fear of creating tension and, uh, in, a, in a friendship and a relationship over in those conversations when we got on those delicate issues that we may not always agree on. And I don't know, I, I miss the days, I don't know what you, I miss the days of conversations in the middle. Remember those days when we could just disagree and, and still be friends? I, I miss some of those times. I miss times when we're communicating and I'm listening to understand and grow rather than we're listening to figure out if we're going to cancel each other halfway through the conversation. You know that tension that's there. The good days when we would talk and listen and dialogue back and forth rather than just, and I'm guilty of it too, we just throw tribal, you know, hot talking points back and forth. Well, in that culture and in that time, I did find myself, it was interesting, with friends and people that I just met, when those topics came, shrinking back a little bit, saying, I'm just going to be quiet and just listen. A few times my wife would tap me on the knee and just, time to zip it, honey, and just listen uh, as we go. And you know, that's the reality of where we sit. But the challenge is that kind of mindset, that kind of feeling has creeped into other areas of our life. I think it's had a great impact on our evangelistic spirit and calling in this time and in this culture. 
We, we find ourselves in the same way, right? withdrawing for fear of offending or to saying something wrong. Or if I say I'm a Christian or follower of Jesus, or if I speak my, my biblical morality on a topic, it's the fear of I'm going to offend somebody or I'm going to be put in a tribal bucket or I'm even going to get canceled, right? So we remain silent. The challenge, while all that is going on, we live in a time in our lifetime when there has been no greater need for hope and, and kindness. As we talk to people all around the country, there's this great need for feeling and needing true community that connects us for a, a, a meaning of life, uh, for some purpose beyond what it is. And yet, in the midst of all of that great need, if we're not careful, we pull back and we become silent. And we keep things to ourselves. And friends, I want to remind you today that the answer for the hurting world, we have it. And not only do they have the answer for a hurting world, we have the greatest delivery system to share that answer with. And here it is. The big thought for today and really for this, for this whole series is this. The gospel is the answer. And your story is the delivery vessel. Because everyone has a story. You have a story. I have a story. And no matter how insignificant you think your story is, your story matters because this, because your story is a bridge to his story. And in that is the answer for the world around us. So that's what we're going to look today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn me to the book of John, John chapter 4. If you've got your phones, you go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. If you're new with us this morning again, if you go to lexcity.info, a great way to stay connected with us, uh, things that are happening in our church. John chapter 4 records one of the, my favorite events that reminds us the power of a simple story. It's a hot Middle Eastern afternoon, and she sits at the well, as she has many days before, feeling the same emotions she's felt almost every day and really most her life, the feelings of being marginalized and minimized. She thinks about her position and lot in life. Socially, she, she's not in the A crowd. She's certainly not in the cool girls club as she has. It's noon. It's the heat of the day. And we learn this is when she regularly comes to the well to draw water. Now, most of the women would have come to the well in the cool of the morning or would wait till the cool of the evening. They would gather around the water time and collect water for their families and catch up on all of the great village gossip which no doubt included probably this woman in a lot of the gossip that was going around. So she avoided the drama, avoided the shame. Why would I go and put myself in that situation? So she comes in the heat of the day around noon to draw her water while everyone else is back in the village in their homes, probably resting in the cool. And not only is she marginalized and minimized because she's a woman in the context of this culture, but she's a Samaritan. And Samaritans were this mixed race of part Jew and part Gentile. They grew out of this Assyrian capture that happened in the northern ten kingdoms. And so because they came out of this captivity, they, didn't, they were not able to show proof of their genealogy in a pure sense. We would understand that in horse country. And so the Jews looked at them as half people, not quite fully there because their genealogy wasn't pure. The Gentiles, on the other hand, rejected them because they were a little too Jewish 
for the Gentile world. And so you have this group of people, right? Not not Jewish enough for this group and not too Jewish for this group. And they find themselves in the middle and this is where she is. It's not only that, but even amongst her own people, the Samaritan, she feels a little bit of an outcast. She's certainly not a pillar of purity and righteous living by any means. She's been married five times and the woman that she, the man that she's with right now is not her, her husband. She has no education. She's never been to Bible college. She's done no evangelism training classes. So what kind of story could she possibly share? Well, we're going to see today it's a pretty epic story that we go. So let's pick it up in verse 7. And the woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And I love this about Jesus. I think the more we learn about Jesus, I think the more you're going to love Jesus. It is this, that he meets people in the middle, right? He meets them in the middle. He's got two sides, two extreme sides that are always pulling them to come to him. He's got radical Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And then on the other side, he's got lawless sinners. And both of these are trying to draw him to extremes. And Jesus does this amazing thing of meeting people in the middle. That the Pharisees said, listen, everybody's got to live to the letter of the law, right? And the sinners were like, listen, we just want to stay in our sin. Don't give us any judgment and all is good. And we see Jesus in the middle where the tension is, right? This is the hard place to live. But this is where life happens and ministry happens and impact happens. We find Jesus in the middle where he loved the sinner and yet never compromised the truth. Big thought, what we see out of the heart of God is this, this compassion without compromise, and as I think about Lexi and think about all of you, I think that's a great trait that I see in you and I see expressed around here. It's compassion, right, without compromising. I mean, as Lexi City, right, we gather every weekend. We're just this big, imperfect, messy family, right? It, it, we're a mess in so many ways, which makes us beautiful together as we go. But as we gather, we hope in our messiness that together we're gonna experience the spirit of God and that God will encourage us, right? That he's gonna convict us, he's gonna change us over time. And so we say, I say to you often, right? Come just as you are. My hope is that you just don't stay that way. I hope that's true in my life. I hope three years from now, because of my relationship with you, I'm closer to Jesus and more like Jesus than I am now because of this relationship. I hope that's true with you. I hope three years from now you're different than you are the day you came in. So come just where you are, but we love you enough to say, I don't want you to stay there. And so on these kind of days, we're challenged to have compassion for people and yet not be, un- be uncompromising in the truth. That we meet people right, right where they are, but we're gonna journey with them to Jesus as we go. And this is what we see in the heart of our Father. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of the water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water. It's this compassion, right? Jesus says, I have this water for you that will change your life. Compassion that doesn't judge, it's the gospel, it's 
the very nature of life change, and he gives it to all people, right, regardless of their political, their tribe, whether they're Samaritan, whether they're Jew, whether they're Gentile. Here's the wonderful gift of the gospel. And what I love about the gospel is it unites where sin separates. So that's the beauty of what you and I have to offer to our culture, to our city, to our community. The love of Jesus unites where so many things separate. But what makes this compassion, this is what makes it so deep, what makes this compassion so powerful is that it's not simply a blind, anything goes compassion that Jesus is showing to her. It's a compassion wrapped in this uncompromising truth of who Jesus is and what he calls out of her life. Continue on, verse 16. Here's the uncompromising truth. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him and says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. It's uncompromised, right? Jesus calls it what it is. He calls her sin, sin. And even though he knows all about her and her lifestyle, that's what I love about who God is. He chooses to show her compassion. Now, if you can think about that truth, this is what is so freeing. Because God's love for us comes out of God's incredible understanding of who we really are, right? It it dismisses one of the greatest rejections that people have, right? If God truly knew me, God couldn't possibly love me. Romans 5.8 answers that. It says this, but God shows his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. She recognizes that this Jesus is no ordinary man because this Jesus knows everything about her and yet still loves her. See, that's the freeing thing for you and me, that God knows everything about you and everything about me. He knows those thoughts we would be mortified if anybody knew what we were really thinking. He knows those secret sins that we've managed to hide from others. He knows the pride in our heart. He knows the selfishness that's there. He knows all these things, and yet his compassion comes through in spite of all those things. So Jesus recognizes this. He shows her compassion, not only because she's a Samaritan woman, not only with her checkered past. He didn't cancel her. He didn't shame her. He meets her where she is, and he addresses her deepest need and the need for a Savior. And then we go on to verse 27. Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled at what he was, that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people and shared her story and gave testimony for what's his experience, right? Said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out to the town, were coming to him. And this amazing woman, right? She has the courage to go into the town and say, this is what I've just experienced, this is what I'm having, and she shares her story. And as she shares her story, there's some essential elements to her story that I think are valuable for us to consider as we think about how we would share our story to people. And so let me take just a moment and talk a little bit about that. How could we share our story of faith in a way that may lead people to Christ? A lot of different ways to share your story. One really simple one is just a chronological order of your story. And it's just this way. you see it on the screen. My faith story, three things, right? It's the before, the how, and the now. Before. What was my life like before Jesus? How? How did I put my faith in Jesus? And now, how is my life different today? Go back to the Samaritan woman's story, right? What was her before? Verse 29, 
Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Her before was this, I acknowledged my sin. Listen, there was a void in my life and I was looking for love and acceptance and significance and I tried to find it in, an arms, in the arms of a man. Actually, I tried to find it in the arms of a lot of men. Right? And it left me empty. It never filled a void in my life. And that's where I found myself at that moment. That's her before. Our, our before, for all of us, that before part of our story is simply identifying, right, places in our life where we were searching for something. I was looking for this. Those feelings of, of fear, those feelings of loneliness, those feelings of, of insecurity, possibly ways that we tried to fill that void, right? She would say, I tried to fill that void in relationships. I tried to mask the pain in my life through alcoholism or drugs or sex or I, I was just a workaholic because if I stayed busy, I didn't think about the hurt of my life or sports, so we tried to fill all those things. I mean, that's the before of our lives. And the encouragement is, as we think about sharing the befores of our life, be careful. Our desire is not to glorify our sin, right? But as we talk about those elements of our before, it makes us relatable to the person that we're sharing with. Say it this way. Where we were is where many people are, and that makes it relatable. So in this season, my before, this is where I just felt some loneliness or I felt discouragement or pain or just anger towards these things. Then the next section is simply this. That's our before. Next section is our how, right? Events or circumstances that caused us to consider Christ as the solution for what we were searching for, right? So I was looking for this, and then this circumstance came, and then this event came. Her, her uh, how story is, and then I was at the well grabbing water on an ordinary day, and this man came who was the Messiah, and he met me where I was. So how did you place your faith in the Christ? Part of your story. Did you pray? What did that look like? A big part of this is just trying to demystify what it's like, right? We don't need a lot of churchy. Just what was this like? I realized my need. Jesus came and met me my need. And so on that day, I prayed and I surrendered my life to the Christ. And then finally, it's the now, right? How has your life changed since knowing Jesus? How has his forgiveness impacted you? How have your thoughts your attitudes, your emotions change since coming to know Christ? How is God meeting you in your needs every day? This is part of your wonderful now story. And my hope for you is a simple little timeline, right, of before, how, and now. It's a great way to share your story. And here's the great thing about this story, especially in this time and age. Nobody can argue with your story. It's your story. It's your experience. This is just what my faith has meant to me. This is just how Jesus has interacted in my life. And so it's so easy to be able to share our story that way. It's not combative. It's not tribal. It's simply your story, which, again, becomes a bridge to his story, and the power comes. We see it in the, in the passage. Go back to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, because of her story. Because of her word that she gave, he told me all that I had ever did. And one woman, this is so amazing, with the courage to be open and vulnerable and share her story, her story of faith, begins a revival in her neighborhood or in this context in her entire village. And so that's really the goal of us this morning and our next few weeks together is to challenge us, to encourage us, right, to be bold in our faith. At a time when our culture wants us to step back and fear rises up like I don't want to, I'm going to encourage you, man, to step into it. And with courage, share your faith. 
Share your story. Invite people. Invite others. And one of the ways that we want to help churchwide to help encourage you and equip you to continue to, to grow in your evangelistic heart for the world around us for such a time as this is this fall, uh, and you've heard us talk about it. We talk about it quite a bit. Our, uh, this fall, our church is putting on a conference here called the 99 Conference. And this two-day event is really designed to help do this, to equip, encourage, and inspire you to reach the one in your life. And the beauty for us at Lex City, listen, we are, if I look at, think about our Lex City family, we are involved in almost every sector of our community and surrounding area. Between where we live, where we go to school, where we work, we have people everywhere. And if each one of us would simply reach our one in this next year, we could see amazing things in our communities, in our cities, in our neighborhood because of the influence that's here. And just like the woman at the well, my prayer would be that we could see revival break out in a new way. And so the desire for this 99 conference that we're putting on is that it goes beyond just simply a great weekend, but it really is a time that challenges you, challenges me, that it changes us. That it puts back in our hearts and our minds some things that we've known but we've kind of put on the back burner about our heart for people and our heart for the lost and that we'd be encouraged to do that. And so let me just say this to you. Before, because school is starting, I cannot believe this next week, and on we go. Your, your fall schedule is about to busy and it'll get filled up there. Before it gets filled up with all kinds of busyness that doesn't make eternal difference, some does, some doesn't, but before it gets filled up with all of those things, can I just encourage you to make one investment into yourself and into our community this fall, and that's to mark those dates and be a part of this conference. This 99 co conference isn't just designed for the 99, it's designed to have impact on the one. And my great love would be that four or five months from now, the empty seat that's right next to you will be filled with your one and the power of the gospel within that. If you're a part of Lex City and this is your family, can I just give you a moment to kind of go behind the curtain as we think a little bit about this, this conference. We have a lot of events and we host a lot of events at our church where outside groups come in and use our facility. This is not one of those. I just want to remind you, this 99 is our conference. It's our vision for it. It's our design. It's our heart that we want to do. And so this really is our thing. And I want to just invite you to come partner with us uh, in that and uh, become a part of this thing that we hope grows into an annual event that just puts evangelism in our hearts and our minds as we start each year together school year. The challenge is, you know, if you've started anything from scratch, that first year can be a challenge and uh, that first year can be difficult to make things happen. And so I would just invite you, if you would, prioritize this. This is something that we as a church wanna do. Uh, be a part of it uh, and partner with us in that. And it help you be a part of this first year especially uh, we've got, you can hear about uh, reduced pricing to make this thing as affordable for you as possible. And Pastor Zach at the end of the service will come share a little bit about how you can access that reduced pricing for that. But we just want you to be a part of it. We want you and our staff and myself, we just want to grow in our heart for the, our loss and our heart for our city. And so this is a great way to be a part of that. All right. Back to John chapter 4. So after the Samaritan woman shares her story in the village of this Jesus that she's met, who knows everything about me, accepted me and, and, and saved me, she now does this. She invites others to come and to listen. I want to invite you to come and listen to this Jesus, hear him for myself. And I love this idea about the very nature of the gospel, right? The gospel is an invitation. It's not manipulative. It's not heavy-handed. It's not something we guilt people into. The gospel, it's a response the Spirit of God working in your heart and moving towards that. 
And what makes it so beautiful for us who are called to share the story, listen, we're not called to save anybody. We're called to share, to invite, to share a story worth sharing, and to make the gospel clear to people, right? And you may be here today and say, well, Pastor, that's all great, but I, I don't think I'm at that, <laughs> that point in my faith story, right? I certainly have a before story. I could tell you all those kind of events, but I, I don't think I have that how I came to know Christ, or I don't think I've come to that point in, in, in my life. And I just want to encourage you today, if that's you, man, you are in the, the right place at the right time. I mean, just like the woman went to the right well at the right time of the day to beat Jesus. If you're saying in my life, I don't have that next step, today is the right day for you. If you're watching online today, I mean, this was the moment that God had for you. The Bible says how you can move from just having a before story to having that encounter with him. And it tells us how we can make that part of our story. Because the before part of the story is something we all have in common, everybody in this room, right? The beauty is you're surrounded by people who have fallen short in many ways. Romans 3.23 says it this way to us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The one thing we have in common is we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of what God wants it. So today, all right, let me just encourage you, if you knew you're surrounded by imperfect people, me being the head of the class, so you're in good company, but the power of the, of the story of the Bible is that your story doesn't have to end there with just that. Moves on to the how part. In my how story, my how moment is in my life when I realized that simple truth that I could never be good enough to work my way to heaven. I, I could never try hard enough, do enough good things, be a good enough person to win God's favor. The how part of, of my story was reminded the truth of, it's found in the book of Ephesians that says, this is the key, Brian, because you're never gonna be good enough You'll never be able to earn it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Bible says, listen, you're not saved by doing good works. You're not saved by doing more good than bad or, or trying harder. You're never going to be able to earn your way to heaven. Because if I could earn my way to heaven, think about this. If I could earn my way to heaven, then it would really all be about me and my worthiness and my goodness. Jesus didn't say to the woman at the well, now listen, I need you to go back to your village and for the next three or four years, I need you to try to work harder and be better and do more good things so you can pile up more good things and all the bad things of your past. And when your good things are higher than your bad things, then you come back to me and then I'll save you at that moment. No, Jesus says, no, that's not the case. You'll never be able to, for by grace are you saved through faith. It says you're saved through believing, what? That I am who I said that I am, and I'll do what I said that I would do. And in my how moment, that was the realization, right? I can't earn this. Jesus died for me. Here's what I, I believe, that Jesus died on the cross, right, to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe that, as the Bible says, three days later, he rose again from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he showed that he not only had power over death, but he had power over my sins. And I believe that I could put my faith and my trust in him alone to be my Lord and Savior. And that how moment for me, it's hard to believe. I mean, that's nearly almost 50 years ago that that happened. And through that time and in that time and because of that moment, listen, God has been with me through my shortcomings, through my struggles, through my seasons of unbelief, through my pride, through all these things. He's been there to forgive me. He's been there to walk with me. He's been there to give purpose to me in my life. But it all began when one moment, when I surrendered 
to the Lord. It's acknowledgement that I can't do it on my own, that I need your help. Do you have that kind of how moment in your faith story? Have you come to that moment realizing I cannot do this on my own, I need Jesus in my life? That moment of acknowledgement that my sin is real, the failures of my life are real, and God, I, I, I need your forgiveness and I need your help. It's a powerful moment where the story changes. And if you've never experienced that moment, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you would, just to maybe quiet our hearts and folk, would you mind just bowing your head with me this morning and just a moment, I'm gonna just lead you in a prayer. And if that's you today to say, man, that's me. Like the woman at the well, God, I need you. I've been trying to do this on my own and I can't do it. That's you today. I'd love to just lead you in a, in a prayer of just acknowledging that to the Lord, just so that I would know who I'm praying with. Would you be willing this morning, if that's you today, would you just raise your hand and put it down just so that I could remember? Amen. Thank you. I see that. Amen. If you're online this morning, just in this quiet of this moment, just say this prayer. And those that raised your hand or even there in your seats. It's not a magical prayer. It's not these words that save you. It's just the attitude of your heart. But just simply say this back to the Lord. Dear Lord, I, I realize that I'm a sinner. And I realize that my sin has separated me from you. But God, I thank you that you love me enough that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and to pay the penalty for my sin. So, Father, today I'm placing my trust and my faith in you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and for the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, this morning, for those of you that prayed that prayer for the very first time, your story has forever changed. You have an amazing, epic story where God has met you where you were in your journey and saved you. And we're so excited for you this morning, those in line and those in here in the room. We just want to take a moment and celebrate with you. Let me encourage you, just next steps. We want to help you grow and take that next step in your faith journey. In the uh, seat backs in the pews in front of you, you'll see a little card like this. And if you'll just take out that card and at the end of our service, following our service, if you'll take that card, you can fill it out or you can fill it out when you head out there. If you head out through these doors to our welcome center and you bring that card there, we'd love to give you a book entitled The Decision. It kind of just helps you say, where are my next steps of faith? Where do I go with my walk with God? And just answer some questions you have. And this will be out in that welcome center. Bring that card. We've got folks that would love to be able to answer any questions and give you one of those. We're so excited for you. But you may be here today and say, Pastor, that's great. I'm learning, I'm processing, I'm not quite at that place. At the end of our service, we've got a prayer team that'll be right down here front. And let me just encourage you, just come down and if you've got questions, ask questions. You may even say to them, hey, I'd like to hear a little bit about your faith story. Here's what I want to encourage you this morning. This is a safe place. It's a safe place to question. It's a safe place to have doubts. It's a safe place to come talk with somebody. And they'll be available down front uh, after the service and would love to be able to do that. Well, many of you have experienced the before. You've experienced that how moment. Here's the question for you. Have you ever shared your story at a time when a culture says step back keep quiet 
Stay in your lane. Don't offend. Don't do this. Don't at least. Have you had the courage to share your story? Don't let fear, don't let the what ifs keep you silent. The world needs no more time than this. They need Jesus. They need the truth of the gospel, the hope, the kindness, the forgiveness that comes. Your neighbors need this. Your coworkers need this. You have family members who need this. So my encouragement today is don't stay silent. We're surrounded. I saw it so vividly this summer. In our country, we're surrounded by people who are discouraged and lonely and isolated and are struggling to find meaning and purpose and they just need somebody who cares enough to step into that awkward moment and to share a little bit of their story. The last part of our sabbatical, Tammy and I got to do a marriage retreat uh, out in California and we got to spend a week with eight amazing couples, high capacity couples from all over, uh, from both coasts and all over the country. And uh, you know, during this time we found with so many of them, it was a time of feeling really disconnected. Disconnected from one another, disconnected from their faith, disconnected from their church, disconnected from other people and, and isolated. And it was struggling, it was impacting their relationships in significant ways. And one of the powerful days in that week that we spent out there was when the teaching couple simply came on the morning and said, we're gonna share our story with you. <laughs> this is what our life was like before. This is how we came to know Jesus and this is how it's changed and helped our marriage in a powerful way. And in that moment, they brought hope and they brought a promise that Jesus would meet them in their story. And over that week, we got to see reconciliation amongst couples. We got to see passions reignited and we got to see hope restored. Because when you're hurting, you know this, when you're hurting, there is something so attractional about Jesus. When you have lost hope, there is something that just, you gravitate towards a hope, to a meaning, to a purpose, to connecting with something greater than yourselves. And I love that when Jesus meets us in the story. Big thought we started, right? The gospel is the answer and your story is the delivery vessel. So on that day, in a dusty little village, the village was moved by this woman's story and many prayed to receive Christ at that moment. We get the end but then the others, she invited, said, just come, just come, just listen. And they followed her and they met with Jesus and they came. And the last part of the, the story is found in verse 40. So when the Samaritan woman came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days, he stayed, verse 41. And many more believed because of his words. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And many more come, and I love this. They came only because she had the courage to invite. And when she came to that moment, they said, we believe, not just because of your story now. We believe because we have experienced the Messiah for ourselves. And many more believed. Because of one woman with a simple story who had the courage to share and encouraged to invite, and an entire village was transformed. So, so who needs to hear your story, right? Who, who do you need to invite back to church? When you stand before Jesus someday, what do you want the story of your life to be? Because your life tells a story. So let's make it an epic one.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for just the power of the gospel. Thank you for the power it's made in our lives. I thank you for the power it's made in my life. So God, today in a time in our country when the temptation is to step back and be silent, let us be reminded that we have the answer. It's not found in systems and programs and politics. It's found in Jesus. So today, let us be men and women with compassion and uncompromising conviction. Step in the gap and share our story. And we ask that you'll use us as you used this woman so many years ago to make a difference in our community. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.